It's so appropriate that King Solomon is the main character in our first reading, because this is the first Sunday after the Steubenville East Youth Conference. In case you're not aware of it, we had 62 teenagers with us this year. There are 2,000 total at the conference in Attleboro at La Salette Shrine. It was another great weekend, as those here who were in attendance last week will tell you. In this text from 1 Kings 3, we hear the story of a Steubenville moment. That is to say, a powerful moment of grace in Solomon's life. The Lord appears to him in a dream, and he asks the young ruler what he wants. Now, from the way the story is written, it appears that Solomon could have asked for anything that was good. He could have even asked for something that was morally neutral, like fame or wealth. Fame and wealth are not bad in and of themselves. They're morally neutral. He could have asked for any of those things, and apparently God would have given it to him. But Solomon made the choice to ask for something spiritual, something that would make him a better leader of his people. Namely, wisdom. He asked for that gift, and the Lord poured it out immediately. And it didn't take Solomon very long to start utilizing this gift. The Bible says that very shortly after he had this dream, two prostitutes were brought before him because they were disputing over a little baby. Each claimed that the child was hers. In his wisdom, we are told that Solomon made the decision that since both of them were so adamant that the baby was theirs, the only reasonable solution, according to the king, was to divide the child up. So he said, I shall take a sword and I will cut this baby in half and give one half to one woman and the other half to the other, problem solved. Some of you are probably thinking, Father Ray, that is craziness, not wisdom. Well, think again. You see, as soon as he made that proposal, one of the women cried out, No! Give the child to her. Don't kill it. The other one said, It shall be neither mine nor yours. King Solomon cut the baby in half. Solomon said, Give the baby to the first woman. She's obviously the mother. In his great wisdom, Solomon knew that the real mother would want her child to live, even if it wasn't with her. It's too bad that it didn't last. Solomon's wisdom, that is. Now, it would be easy to say that it was all his wives' fault. Wives, incidentally, there is in the plural, because according to sacred scripture, Solomon had no less than 700 wives. But don't worry, ladies, it was not the fault of the wives. Solomon went from being an incredibly wise man, the wisest on the face of God's earth, a man who wrote beautiful proverbs, 
a man who built a great temple. He built the temple in Jerusalem. He went from that to being a total fool who sowed the seeds for the breakup of the nation of Israel. After the time of King Solomon, God's people were never fully united again. And it was all because he made the wrong choices and he didn't repent when he had the opportunity to do so. The Bible says that many of Solomon's wives were indeed foreigners who turned his heart to strange gods and away from the worship of the one true God, Yahweh. But you see, nobody forced him to marry those women. And nobody forced him to turn away. That was his decision. I said at the beginning of my homily that it's very appropriate that King Solomon is the main character in our first reading on this first Sunday after Steuben Velis. In his life, he went from great wisdom to great foolishness. The Steubenville retreat really, at its core, helps young people to move in the opposite direction, from great foolishness to great wisdom. That's because in the talks that they hear on the weekend, the lies of the world are exposed and they encounter the light and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for some of them, it's really the first time they've heard it. And thanks be to God, most of the young people who go, not all, but most, respond favorably to what they hear. They humbly recognize whatever foolishness has been present in their lives in the past, and they say yes to the truth of Jesus Christ, yes to God's eternal wisdom. At least for the weekend they do. The challenge, of course, is to avoid going back to the world's foolishness once the retreat is over. But that can be difficult. That is the challenge. Because the temptations to foolishness, the temptations to sin, don't go away after the retreat. And we have a number of young people here this morning who attended. You know, from your experience of the last several days, the temptations are the same. The temptations are just as real when you come back. If you need some encouragement today to stay wise and on the right track in life, whether you came to Steubenville East or not, if you need that kind of encouragement, I would ask you today to remember the story of Josh Hamilton. It can be a powerful motivator. If you're a baseball fan, you probably know who Josh Hamilton is. He's an outfielder for the Texas Rangers baseball team. He was also one of the participants in this year's Home Run Derby on July 14th, the night before the All-Star Game. If you saw that event, you will remember that the first three or four hitters who came up to the plate and tried to hit home runs really struggled. None of them hit more than eight which is not very many for a home run derby. I happened to be watching over in the rectory, and in all honesty, I picked up the remote at that point, and I was about to turn the channel, because it was boring, quite frankly. <laughs> Nothing exciting was happening. They weren't doing that well. But then I said, you know what? One more batter. 
And that's when Josh Hamilton came up. I'm so glad I waited. Because this guy proceeded to hit 28 balls out of Yankee Stadium, some of them over 500 feet. He had the crowd in a frenzy. The other players were going berserk. Even the Yankee fans in Yankee Stadium were cheering for this guy from the Texas Rangers. Probably a first. The whole thing went on for quite some time. It takes a while to hit 28 balls out of the park. And that was good. I see the hand of God in that because that amount of time gave the television commentators enough time to tell Josh's story. The story of his battle with drug and alcohol addiction, a battle that almost cost him his very promising baseball career. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of the story this morning. Back in 1999, Josh Hamilton was the number one draft pick of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, who are now the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they had an exorcism, you know? <laughs> who knows? They're playing really well, so maybe they did. <laughs> they did change their name, though. But anyway, he was sent to one of the Rays' farm teams at that point, and he fell in with the wrong crowd. So many of these bad things happen when you fall in with the wrong group of people. One night, as he was hanging out with some of his new quote-unquote friends, he made the very foolish decision to abuse alcohol and try cocaine. He says he was just curious about it all, but curiosity killed the cat, as we remember. And it very quickly developed into an addiction. Over the next three years, this guy was in and out of rehab eight times. That's a lot of times. And because of baseball's drug policy, it was doubtful he would ever play again professionally. At the same time, his drug abuse almost ruined his marriage. What ultimately saved him, and he's been very public about this to anyone who will listen, what saved him was his faith. His faith in Jesus Christ. That's the part you probably won't hear on too many secular newscasts, but it's true nonetheless. When he was down and out, his grandmother took him in at one point, and while he was with her, he says he began to pray and to read the Bible again. I say again because when he was in high school, when he was 18 years old, he had a Steubenville-like experience. And as a young person, he made the same decision that many of our young people made last week. He made his decision to commit his life to Jesus Christ. But then he slipped away, as many do, by making the foolish decision to make baseball his God. That's what he said. That, of course, made him vulnerable to the temptations of the world. And yet, at least at this point, his story has a happy ending because he has wisely come back to the Lord and he's also gotten rooted in a church. It's very important that we have support from our peers, from others who are trying to go the right way in their lives. That's one reason why fellowship and church are so essential. In an article I read the other day about him and about his life, his wife Katie, who had a conversion of her own in the midst of all this, was quoted as saying, 
Just watching the transformation that God has made in Josh's life. I mean, it's just been so awesome and such a gift from the Lord to see what God has done in him. And Josh himself was quoted in the article as saying, I was out of baseball just a few years ago. I didn't have my family, my wife was going to leave me, and I was doing drugs. People think there are coincidences in life. There are no coincidences when God's got a plan. It's nothing that I did except try to make the right choices and let God take over from there. You know, he could have said, it's nothing that I did except try to make the wise choices. He could have said that and it would have meant the same thing. Josh Hamilton has gone from foolish to wise when he had his initial conversion in high school, back to foolish, because that's always possible, and now, thankfully, back to wise. My prayer for him is that he will stay where he is, permanently. My prayer for the young people who wised up this year at Steubenville East is that they will stay where they are, permanently. And not surprisingly, my prayer is the same for every other person in the congregation this morning. Everyone, that is, who has made the decision to give up their foolishness and embrace God's wisdom.